the book is the asset. So just writing your notes for the talk, I wouldn't necessarily get a copyright for that. But once you put it into a transferable asset, like you record the talk at the presentation, you get that recording copywritten, and then you may determine that you want to license that out to that particular organization. Mm -hmm. But when you're a speaker, it starts typically at the negotiation phase. Okay. So they'll hire you to do a live talk. And you're like, all right, I'll do a live talk for $10,000. Okay, great. But if they want to replay it, you have to decide strategically if you want to charge them a licensing fee to replay it or if there's some marketing benefit to them replaying it without paying you an additional fee because you want to get in front of that audience. You're listening to the Move to Millions podcast with Dr. Darnielle J. Harmon. If you're ready for high-level conversations that position and prepare you to move your company, cash flow and connection to and beyond the million-dollar mark, let's get this party started. This episode is powered by the Move to Millions method. Are you wondering what it's going to take for you to move to millions? Well, you can learn more now by visiting move to millions guide.com in today's episode. Okay. First of all, let me just say this. I had to get myself together. Y'all this was one of the most amazing interviews that I have ever done. I'm still on 10. You can feel my energy. I literally just got finished having this amazing conversation with Ashley Kirkwood and oh my gosh, y'all I'm excited for you. Cause you're about to hear some amazing brilliance. She says your mindset will keep you from more money than your mastery ever will. She actually said a lot of really great things, but I'm not gonna steal the thunder of this powerful interview. I'm gonna let you listen and then I'll circle back and share some of my favorites. But my favorite part of this particular interview was just the level of breakdown that Ashley gave through the process of understanding intellectual property and licensing and how right now you are sitting on a massive amount of brilliance and that brilliance could be making you so much more. She said, most people lead their lives being great and never learn how to monetize it. Oh, but that will not be your story after tuning into this powerful interview with Ashley. Let me read her bio. Ashley Kirkwood is an international speaker and award-winning lawyer. She believes that you should learn how to start at the top of the speaking market instead of working your way up from the bottom. In fact, that's the subtitle of her latest book. She's helped doctors, lawyers, entrepreneurs, consultants, therapists, DEI experts, and many other experts package and position their expertise to land large corporate and collegiate speaking contracts using her proprietary paid methodology. Ashley has been recognized as a thought leader by media outlets galore, including Forbes, Crane's Chicago Business, Black Enterprise, the Chicago Tribune, and more. Not to mention, she previously sat on the board at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign that determines who to hire for campus student activities. She has been on the hiring side of the industry and the talent side. She will use all of her experience to help you level up in your speaking career. Yo, listen, listen to me. You need to get an empty notebook, or if you have a remarkable, start a new notebook. Listen to me. There are so many powerful, juicy nuggets inside of this episode that I am not going to speak any longer. Let's jump into my conversation with Ashley Kirkwood. Ashley Kirkwood, I'm so excited to welcome you to the Move to Millions podcast. How are you today? Good. How are you? Girl, I have been waiting for this conversation. 
So before we even jump in, and let me just say this, everybody who's listening, take the hand you write with and just shake it. Ashley is so stinking prolific. It makes me, she's amazing. So she's going to have nugget after nugget after nugget. But before we even jump in, Ashley, just take a moment and tell everybody who you are in your own words. Absolutely. So I am Ashley Kirkwood. I'm a mom and a wife in the personal world. In the business world, I love helping speakers land five and six figure corporate speaking contracts, utilizing their intellectual property. And my background is as an intellectual property attorney. I've owned a law firm for the past several years. And now I primarily focus on coaching brilliant, exceptional experts like many of you listening to your first five-figure corporate speaking contract, corporate or collegiate speaking contracts. That's a little bit about what I do. And I myself license my programs to corporations and speak on the keynote stage for corporations and colleges across America. I love that because there's so many people who theorize how to do what it is that you do, you have done, you are doing. And so I love that that is a big part of your work. I love that you don't, what's the saying? You lead only where you've actually gone versus making something up as a part of the process. So I know a big part of your story is that you walked away from a very lucrative career. And I would love for you to tell everyone, not just the, you know, the punchline of how much money you walked away from in order to start your own company, but more importantly, why you walked away, why you realized that you had something that was enough for you to have your own company to do it versus sitting behind someone else's desk. Definitely. So the punchline is I walked away from a $300,000 corporate litigation attorney salary to start my own business. The reason I walked away was because of respect. So being a Black woman, I was the only Black, you. I mean, y'all know the story. Y'all know the only Black woman at the department. I'm at the one of the largest law firms in America. I am doing the work. I'm having success. I'm on a partnership track, which to be clear means, I was just explaining this to a friend the other day, that means that when I made equity partner at my first law firm, the lowest paid equity partner was $1.2 million a year. The lowest paid. That's not the average. So I would have been a millionaire if I stayed in my corporate career. But I left because I was missing that link of purpose and respect and control. Like, I wanted more control over how I made money and the life that I wanted to lead personally and professionally. I knew that I could do it because I bet there's some of you right now who are not just in a nine, like people are always talking about, oh, you work a nine to five, not in my role. It was a nine to until (laughs) (laughs) like I worked a ton of hours, some days, 24 hours. One day I left for work, didn't come home two days later. And I was working. My husband was like, this is insane. But at whenever you work at the top of any industry, that's pretty common. And so I was already working hard. So the hard work of entrepreneurship didn't scare me. And if there is a company that's paying me as a Black woman in America $300,000 within a few years of graduating law school, and that means that my potential is so much greater. One, to that organization. They were making millions off of me. And then two, it means that I could do more if I believed in myself, even just a little bit of the amount that that company was believing in me. So it was that. And a little bit longer version of that story. I started out at a big firm. I was doing well. I negotiated a $100,000 raise to get to that $300,000 base salary at another law firm. And when I got to the new firm, the money was amazing, but the support was non-existent. So I was very used to having a secretary, a paralegal, a team that was helping me do what I did day to day. When I went to the new company, I didn't have all of that. 
So that also gave me more resolve that if you're already practicing without a large team and you're running the cases, you're getting the clients, you're talking to the clients, you're handling the matters, you're doing the negotiations, speaking, presentations, all of that autonomously for the most part, you can do it on your own. Right. That's so good. You said so much and I didn't want to stop you. So I was just over here taking notes. You said I was missing the link of purpose, respect and control. I just want everyone to check in really, really quickly Are you missing the link of purpose, respect, and control? And listen, this is not even just about, as it is in Ashley's story, of being in a corporate career and not being able to see the synergy between those elements. This is even those of you who are entrepreneurs on the move to millions. Have you found the link between your purpose, respect for who you are and the work that you do and how you are revered in your industry and the control that you have over your ability to accelerate whichever part of the process is important for you to accelerate. Like if there's a disconnect in any of that, I want you to keep listening as we unpack Ashley's story. And we're eventually going to get to the reason why I brought her here, which is to talk about licensing. But I think that this is such an important part because the second thing that you said that I really loved, Ashley, is you said, I was already working hard because at the top of any industry, it's common to work hard. And I knew that if I could do this for someone else, I could do more for myself. Oh, that's so good. So good. It is what you are first willing to do for yourself that gives you the courage to step away from a job that's making $300,000 a year. Like, okay, I never made $300,000 in corporate. Like my top out was 120,000 before my bonus. So I couldn't imagine having the resolve that Ashley did because of the link between purpose, respect, and control to walk away from that kind of money. Oh, but only after she negotiated a $100,000 increase in a previous job to get to her new job at $300,000. Like all of those skill sets that you brought into entrepreneurship gave you such the edge, right? Because how long was it as an entrepreneur before you were running million-dollar businesses? I would say in three years, our first year, we didn't really make any money at all. Our second year we did, I should have actually written down the numbers before this interview, but it was three full years. So last year was our third full year calendar year in business. And we collected a million dollars in cash between our revenue streams. Yeah. And it was, you know, before that it was like, you know, million in sales. It was all these other things, but like collecting that money in was a huge game changer. And we'll probably get to this, but then after we collected it, we were literally like, okay, we're getting rid of one of these streams. Like, and it becomes about how can we best scale our efforts? Mm-hmm. So I feel like, I know people say you can't really hustle your way to a certain amount of money. The truth is, depending on your ability to work hard, you can hustle your way up to a significant amount of money, even up to an exceeding $1 million. But I think if you're going to keep it, and sustain it in a way that feels good to you as you grow and become a better person, you have to get more deliberate. Yeah, it's definitely doable, but it's also not sustainable. So I think that's a very important distinction, right? And most people who are hustling, they're not built to hustle for the length of time they would have to, to be able to keep going at that pace, which I think makes it hard. But I love that question. How can we best scale our efforts, right? And so there's only really a couple of options. It's either work hard or start hiring, And I know you, like me, and probably every other CEO in the world has their fair share of challenges and successes through the hiring process. But I don't necessarily want to go down that path because I want to get into, I want to talk about this amazing book. Okay, so let me just stop. She did not ask me to do this. I think whether you are a 
speaker or not, and what I mean, we're all speakers, right? We've all been speaking since we were two. Whether you either galvanize people or gain revenue through the ability to orate or not, you need this book. Because if you are in business for yourself, your ability to be able to position yourself verbally in a way that is going to lead you to more cash flow, all of that is right here inside of Ashley Kirkwood's book. Speak your way to cash. Highly, highly, highly. I mean, like, okay, can I just for two seconds just talk about you, Ashley? <laughs> yeah. So first of all, I got the book in the mail. I didn't, she did tell me that it was coming, but I did not expect, no, I did expect, I expected it to look as good as it looks. But I didn't expect it to be as thorough as it is inside. Because see, people write books and they write books on their framework and they go deep into pieces of it, but not the whole thing. Ashley went into the whole thing, the whole thing, like the whole game is right here inside of this book. So tell us why. Okay, let me add. This is what I want to ask you. So you're an intellectual property attorney. I guess you started speaking first, right? Yeah, I started speaking first because I was speaking while I was in corporate. So okay. I was getting to speak by colleges and by churches, a little bit by churches. So I was just doing it just because I enjoyed doing it. But it, I mean, I bet there's people in your audience like this too. When you make good money at your day job, the other stuff is like, oh, that's sweet. Go and give me that check for a thousand dollars. Right, sweet. exactly. Go and run that. But like, you don't think like, I need to charge the same. I need to charge as though I don't have this day job, which is something I tell my clients with good oh, day jobs man. now. Make sure you charge as though you don't have that day job if that's something you want to become your day job in the future. So I was being paid nominally to speak while in corporate. And I did speech and debate all through high school, traveled competitively, won awards and all that. But it really kicked up when I left. But I left my job, started a firm in a speaking practice. And the money that came in first was the speaking money because (laughs) building the brand of the firm took more time. And then they eventually worked off of each other. And now we're focusing primarily on the speaking. That's so good. I love that. You said charge like you don't have a day job. Okay, that right there needs to be on a T-shirt. Like, I don't even know if we can fit it all on there. Maybe if we put part of it on the front and the rest on the back, but it's totally a T-shirt. And then I love the understanding the significance of starting your law firm and knowing that there is a process and a hierarchy to building the brand to get them the recognition that you want to be able to sustain yourself and your family through your law firm, but automatically seeing I've got this skill set. Again, if I think back to that link between purpose, respect, and control, right? I've got this powerful skill set. So I'm going to use this skill set in order to get offset my own revenue and then realizing that you had the game. And we're going to talk about a couple of the frameworks that you have inside of your book and then deciding to start teaching other people. So what was the point at which you said, I've really got something here. I should teach other people this. It was really, you know, speaking ready to cash, the coaching side of my business, it grew so organically. So I was just out here speaking and landing contracts, bulk selling my book. And there were a lot of people that kept asking me, hey, how are you getting that contract? Or how did you know to go to that conference? Or how did they know to pay you? And how, why are they paying you again? And why are they paying you so much? And when I kept getting asked that question, I just followed the clues and I had an event called Speak Your Way to Cash. And when the event first started, the brand started as only an event. It was no upsell. There was no strategy to it. It was just an event. And I'm sure you, I know you work with event professionals to help them make more money in their event because you helped us last year with our event. So when our event first started, it was just an event. People were asking questions. I gave them answers. But because coaching had such a negative connotation to it, I just hadn't seen it as like a positive thing. So I was not going to be a coach. I was very adamant, like, don't call me a coach. 
Nope. I don't know what the people doing on the internet. It don't make sense to me. I'm not doing that. So I was just doing an event, giving people some advice. And I was like, all right, go implement, be great. And people would come back every year to the event or every, um, we, it started doing four, we did four a year, our first year. And people came back and they're like, well, I need more. I need you to actually walk me through it. And I'm like, why? I told you what to do, you know, go and be great. <laughs> so it was not until our, after our fourth event, we developed a program that could go along with the event. And people got better results from doing that than they did just attending the event. And we tweaked it from there. So it took a while because I wasn't even clear on, because coaching isn't really regulated. So I was just so right. unclear as to what it really meant to be a coach, who defines it. You know, my lawyer brain was like, this doesn't make sense. Like, what is the governing <laughs> body? What are the requirements? And so after I started helping people get results, realizing that it was so beneficial and in fact, integral to them getting sustainable results, I developed it out of that necessity. So it took a while for me to really consider myself a coach. I was just doing something that people wanted to know how to do and helping them do it from the event. And now it's evolved into a coaching program. We have a course and we take some private clients a year, very few, mm -hmm. but yeah, it evolved really organically. It was never my plan to be a coach. So I don't like some people plan to be coaches. I just, they were just asking questions. I was able to help them get results and we kept doing it and it grew organically from there. And now I know, you know, there is a way to coach with integrity and there are some brilliant coaches that I've hired and that helped my mindset too. hiring such great, positive, brilliant coaches to help yeah. me along my journey and realizing, oh my gosh, it would have taken me so much more time had I not just hired these people. And it, it, got, it becomes like a little addiction. Like, all right, got to coach for this, got to coach for this, got to coach for that. So I, you know, I love coaching. I really respect the industry quite a bit, but it was something I was apprehensive about doing originally. Yeah, I think a lot of people are. I mean, similarly, like when I first started, I started as a motivational speaker, which, you know, no one's a motivational speaker these days. You can't, like they won't hire you just to motivate. You got to teach people something. Yeah. But I literally started as a motivational speaker, like your event was just my speaking. So all I had was speaking. I get up on the stage for, you know, whatever I was commanding at that time, which typically somewhere between $2,500 and $5,000. And I had to hustle to get the next gig because I didn't have anything else. And I was like, I got to figure this whole thing out. Now, I did know what coaching was and I had been a certified coach because when I was in corporate America, they put all of us who manage the efforts of others through a coaching certification back in 99 or 2000 or something crazy like that. So I actually had the credential, but I didn't really use the modality outside in entrepreneurship, nor did I think that I would. It just became similarly, I was like, okay, well, I'm really great at marketing. I'm really great at mm -hmm. you know breaking down the process and helping people to understand what it's gonna take. Equally as great as determining all of the steps so that the thing is done and it's done really, really well. I'm going to start doing that. And that's what I'm going to offer to people when I come down off the stage and we'll see what happens. And, you know, it was slow going at first. We did not make very much money because even though I wouldn't, didn't have a full-time job, I was not charging like I didn't have a day job. I was, I was charging like I had a day job when I was full-time in my business when I first <laughs> started. And then eventually I started hiring coaches because I was like, you know, I'm kind of out of integrity. I'm expecting people to coach with me, but I'm not coaching with anyone else. Yeah. And that just doesn't feel good. And there are things that I don't even know that I need to know in order to get better at this. And so it kind of evolved from there. So I totally get that. Now, one of the things that I love about your approach to speaking is, first of all, I want, definitely want you to break down the paid framework. I want to make sure that you share that with everyone. But the other thing that I really love is that you instantly and instantly is my word, not yours, have people look at 
protecting their IP, their intellectual property, so that they can turn it into another sellable asset. I love that. And so I would love for you to first just break down the paid framework and then let's talk a little bit about how we get people who are booking these talks into protecting their IP and then being able to leverage that into the larger contracts and deals. Yeah, definitely. So the paid methodology stands for The P stands for press. So you want to have a way to get press into your business. And in the book, we go over owned media, earned media, and paid media, all of which have their own individual strategies that you can employ. But the basic level, you need to have a way to attract clients and you need to have a way to get in front of new clients. And media will help with both. Owned media is just your social media. Earned media is like me doing a TV station interview, for instance. We try to do a couple TV appearances a year just to stay relevant in the press because you don't want to be... You have one feature from like 10 years ago that doesn't look good. So we have the press and then A stands for assembling your offer. I recommend people have a pre-assembled offer prior to going into corporations because it allows you to put your clients on a roadmap versus you hearing all their issues and you're custom designing things for all of them. If you have a niche that makes sense that all face similar issues, it's really easy to get them into, get them on your roadmap that'll actually help get them results. And then I stands for invite. You have to have a sales plan. Some people have a marketing plan, some don't, but you need a marketing plan and a sales plan. And they're not the same thing. You obviously talk about this to your clients, I'm sure, because marketing is like how people get to know about you. Sales is the process by which they're going to buy. Right. And that's an entire process. And it not just buy, but rebuy. Right. <laughs> so how, exactly. what does that whole process look like? So our invite section covers what that process is for B2B clients. And then D is all about delivering an exceptional speech. We have tips in there for how to make your speeches more impactful, whether it's virtual or in person, and then also delivering really good customer service. So that is our proprietary paid methodology. We do have that trademarked. We, we are big <laughs> of on Of course trademarks. you do. Of course uh, you do. I think you might be one of the people who have more trademarks than me. I trademark everything, so I know you do. <laughs> yes, we trademark everything. And before we even released the book, we did an IP audit. I had the associate at my firm go through and make sure all of our frameworks, methodologies are mm-hmm. trademarked and anything that needed to be copywritten was copywritten. That's important to using it as an asset. Like right. trademarks, the it's not worth the paper it's printed on if you don't have an enforcement plan or plan to monetize that IP. Mm-hmm. That's what you want to protect, things that you're monetizing. So that's the paid methodology. And that is what we teach our clients how to go through. And we work through it with them in our programs. That's awesome. Okay. I just want to pull this back real quick because I don't think you guys even realize the game that Ashley just dropped. She just dropped it so like just nonchalantly because that's who she is and this is what she does. But that was such a jewel. Anytime you are looking at producing anything, in this particular case, she's talking about her book, which again, we'll put it in the show notes. Highly recommend that you add it. She said you want to make sure that there's an IP audit and to verify that everything is copywritten that needs to be copywritten, trademarked, etc., because that is what gives you the ability to have an enforcement plan and a monetization plan for your IP. She said, it's not worth the paper it's printed on just to have a registered trademark. You need the plans that go along with that. We're talking about licensing your way to millions, right? And how do we do this? Your talk, like, let's kind of take them through what the process could look like, Ashley, right? So I write a talk and let's say 
my talk is move to millions because that's just going to make it really easy, right? Mm -hmm. I write this talk, move to millions, based on my move to millions method, which is our proprietary framework that we utilize in there. I write the Mm -hmm. talk, get it all written down, get it all out. What's the next step? What do I do next? Do I go contact an attorney and have an attorney start the process? Is there something I need to do prior to me doing that? Yeah, so there's a couple different things because every time you deliver a talk, after that talk is recorded, that then becomes the asset. So you have your notes for the talk that you may put into a book or something else. The book is the asset. So just writing your notes for the talk, I wouldn't necessarily get a copyright for that. But once you put it into a transferable asset, like you record the talk at the presentation, you get that recording copywritten, and then you may determine that you want to license that out to that particular organization. Mm -hmm. But when you're a speaker, it starts typically at the negotiation phase. So they'll hire you to do a live talk. And you're like, all right, I'll do a live talk for $10,000. Okay, great. But if they want to replay it, you have to decide strategically if you want to charge them a licensing fee to replay it or if there's some marketing benefit to them replaying it without paying you an additional fee because you want to get in front of that audience. So I know one of the things you talk about is speaking to sell. Brilliant strategy. But there's also times when you can basically get paid to market. So we're going to go and speak at a particular association. They're paying us on the front end. And they're like, if you allow us to use the license, we'll put it in front of 6,000 of your ideal clients. Well, for that, I'm cool with them using the license as long as I can inspect it. Right. Because all of the people who watch it could potentially become clients. So then that becomes a lead magnet. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, I don't want to have any extra barriers to them making that a lead magnet. Right. Because if they had to pay for it, that may change the way that they use it. Yes. Or they may decide we don't want to license it or we'll only license it for seven days versus 100 days, which the more people, the more it's up on their website, the more people can view it. But then it becomes a marketing strategy like, all right, well, one, how qualified are the people that are going to see it? This can't be their first event because I have to get my money on the front end or the back end. So either you pay me on the front end or I get in front of your audience and I'm going to get paid because all the people there can pay me on the back end. But there has to be a way for me to evaluate whether that opportunity warrants me giving a slice of my IP. And even in that, I tell them you can get a license to it. Even if they're not paying me for it, I'm still granting them a license, a non-exclusive license, so that I can take that recording and sell it to my own clients or use it as my own lead magnet as well. So I don't lose anything by allowing them to use it. And when people don't pay you for something and you're serious about your IP, you can also put a language in there that says, underneath my recording, you have to have a link to this booking call, booking link. Or underneath this recording, you need to do this. So there's a lot of ways that you can use it as long as you have the language. But when I'm hired by a one-on-one client, it's just me speaking for their organization Mm -hmm. and they're broadcasting it to their employees. It's not the same marketing potential. So they're paying me to license that talk over and over again because it benefits them more than it'll benefit me for that license to be out there. That's good. And I like the distinction there because it's it's similar to like how I've always looked at myself for speaking. Like I will speak for free if my idle client is in the room. Like I've always said, and I don't do a lot of corporate speaking anymore, but I don't want your $10,000 fee because I could make $150,000 or $300,000 just with the ability to position myself well and to make an offer, even if I don't make an offer from your stage. And so one of the things I love that you said that it starts in the negotiation phase, right? What I'm hearing, and I want to make sure that I pull back for the listeners, is you have to begin with the end in mind. 
You yeah. have to know what you want out of that engagement before you come to the table so that you don't sell yourself short and you don't leave money on the table and you don't have your IP available to them with no benefit for you. And so understanding what it is that you want and having access to what that plan looks like. Like, I almost feel like, Ashley, like people should have maybe three different scenarios, right? Scenario A is where I get paid $20,000 to speak for up to 90 minutes and I'm not walking away with any clients, right? So now I'm making these up, by the way, so they may not be exactly <laughs> what we would suggest. Scenario B is I get paid just my travel and lodging in exchange for the ability to be able to position myself and to be able to convert people in the room without having to give you a revenue share. Scenario C is like a hybrid, right? You pay me $5,000, but then I also have the ability to position and license. You need to know going into it, I think that it would make sense, and I don't know how you teach your clients this inside of your program, Ashley, that you would have each of those scenarios constructed and played out in advance so as you're asking and maybe even which questions you need to ask to validate which scenario you're playing into, because that scenario is already attached to a monetization plan, you'll know exactly what it is you should be doing every time you get booked to speak and be able to project what your revenue is going to look like on the other side of it instead of getting excited about getting $10,000 to speak for 30 minutes. Does that make sense? Does that sound right? Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. And I think you have to know who you are. Like I have some clients that are brilliant, but they're not going to do a keynote. They're not going right. to sell on the stage. They're not going to make an offer. So you need to get your money on the front end. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. That They're all just different strategies based yeah. on what you're automatically great at. So before I did law, I did inside sales. So I've done over 20,000 cold calls to people who do not know my name, do not know who I am. So me selling anyone, it's not an issue. I don't have mental blocks around it. I don't think it's a negative thing. But if you're someone who's like, I just want to share what I know. I don't want to have to put any of the extra right. effort into selling them on the back end. Then your entire plan, you're going to have to sell regardless. So that's right. But, but your entire plan may be more focused on how do I get my money on the front end? Mm -hmm. But even in that, whatever they pay you on the front end, 10000 15000 the average full-time professional speaker charges $7,500. I always tell my clients, you're not average. Start at 15K and negotiate from there. <laughs> but when you, whatever you're paid on the front end, all that is, is a pricey opt-in for corporate. Mm -hmm. And I talk about that That's in the good. book. That's just a pricey opt-in. They're paying you 10K. Your goal isn't, the 10K isn't the only isn't the reward. Goal, right? It's the starting conversation. Yeah. So from that, you want to dominate. And then you want to have rebooking conversations. You want to have referral conversations. You want to be having conversations that expand your existing client relationship. And you also get in their Rolodex to their friends, family, other clients that could potentially hire you. Mm -hmm. So I think in the internet, one of the negatives that I see is people don't talk about building sustainable business models. It's more mainly about like, how do I make this $5,000 real quick? How do I make my first 100K real quick? How do I make right. this book real quick? Like everything is real quick, but it's like, no business wants to be quick. Every business wants to last. Right. So you can't look at the front end and it's going to take work. It's going to take effort. It's going to take knowledge and expertise. It's going to take coaching. Right. Um, it's not going to be easy no matter which path you choose because to sell from the stage is not easier than getting paid on the front end mm -hmm. and vice versa. They both are work and they both require expertise and skill. Absolutely. Yeah, I think, you know, when I think about my own journey, I wanted the lowest barrier to entry to get the opportunity. And so I was like, because I already know who I am, right? Like similar to you, I have a background in cold calling and inside sales, actually inside sales and outside sales, because I yeah. was also a pink Cadillac sales director in Mary Kay. And so I'm not afraid to sell. 
And I was like, I know how to position myself. So all I need, and I don't even need 30, 40, 90 minutes on the stage. I really just need like three. And I can have my line of people, I call it the groupie line, the people that are waiting to figure out how to take the next step with me. And because I knew that going in, I started looking at all of the national conferences that put out those calls for speakers. Like they almost never pay you, right? I would always negotiate my airfare and my hotel because I already knew that they had a hotel block if they were doing a conference, right? So I would always get a room inside of their block and I would have them pay my three to $500 for my airfare. And even they tell you on their applications that they don't pay for that stuff. Yeah, everything is negotiable, <laughs> everything. And I would do that and then I would go and I liked breakout sessions versus keynotes because I wanted everybody to self-select themselves into my room. And inside of my room, I would do my talk positioning the way that it would. If I wasn't allowed to make an offer, I wouldn't. I would just lead in and then I would do the follow-up. I always had the line of people in that line I already knew. Like for every other person in that line represented $10,000. And so I knew if I had 30 people in that line, I could figure out I was walking away with 150000 And within the next seven days, that's what I would clear. And so I knew that going in, like thinking about the end in mind versus what you just said a moment ago, which I totally agree. Some people are never going to do all of that stuff. They don't have anything to offer. They just want to get up, pontificate, collect their check and go back home. And that's fine, too. And if that's your model, then, like you said, fifteen thousand dollars is the starting point for that. Just want to make sure we pull out for those of you who are listening, who before you get your book comes in the mail, it will come quick because I couldn't believe it came as fast as it did. But while you're waiting on it to actually start reading it, she does have an audio version, so you can probably get that too. But start thinking about what's going to work best for you so that as you're going through Ashley's book, you're reading it in a way based on your business model for how you're leveraging speaking and leveraging your ability to speak to make the money that's going to sustain you over time inside of your business. I want you to be thinking about that in advance because one of the biggest mistakes I see, and I know you see it because you probably see way more speakers than I do, is people who just want to get on the stage. Like, I just want to be on that stage. Can I get that (laughs) stage right there? I don't even care. I'll give a limb to get on that stage. No, you have to remember that you are what makes the stage, not the other way around. And so I think it's really, really important to kind of go into it thinking about it that way. I want to pull back a little bit and talk a little bit more about the IP because I think people underestimate what they have right now that is intellectual property that they could be protecting for the purposes of monetization. So this is probably going to sound really elementary, but for two seconds, can you just define what IP is so that we can make sure everybody is on the same page? Yeah. So intellectual property, that's what IP stands for. And it's essentially when you come up with an idea, an idea alone can't be protected. But when you put it into a format that you use in commerce, it likely can be protected, depending on what it is and a variety of other factors. So when you write a book, that's IP. You get a copyright for your book. The name of our company, Speak Your Way to Cash, has a federally registered copyright, a uh, federally registered trademark because it's trademark. a name. So mm-hmm. names will have the trademarks and your actual content will have copyright. The Podcasts, like if you produce a podcast, that's intellectual property. It's condensed in an effort. It's condensed in a way that people can consume it and it can potentially be monetized. So that's essentially intellectual property. But most people, most people lead their lives being great at something and they never think about what makes me so excellent at this thing. And it can be a hard skill or a soft skill. So a hard skill would be something like, you know, I'm really good at Facebook ads. That's a hard skill. 
But I'm really good at Facebook ads because of a particular methodology that I use that makes my ads more successful than others. Well, that methodology can be written down, talked about in a book. All of that can happen. But maybe you're just a really nice person. We have someone who developed a framework through our program called The Power of Kindness. And their whole thing is about being kind at work. And they just called me not too long ago. I was like, I just landed my first five-figure contract. This is huge, big company. They condensed that framework onto paper put it out, wrote a blog. Uh, it was picked up by, I think, Fast Company, like done all these different things, but it's all their intellectual property. We should be well, 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 well paid for the things that come out of our minds. But in order to do that, you have to put it in a medium that you can get paid for it and protect it. Because something as simple as like, I have a trademark pending for my name right now. Mm-hmm. I have one on my, my name, name too. <laughs> yeah, so like my name could be, you could license the right to use my name for an event. So if someone else is doing an event, and they want to talk about speaking and legal and all that stuff. And they know they want to call it like Ashley and Kirkwood and whatever the name of their company is. Well, I could give them a license to utilize my name right. because my name has promotional value in the marketplace. And that's what Donald Trump does. If you look mm-hmm. at like all the Trump hotels, licenses, he's not running and owning all of right. the properties that bear his name. So I have a course coming out. I'm recording it April 1st for those in my academy, but it's called leveraging the monetization strategies of billionaires and celebrities without being one. And it all talks about licensing and how to build your licensing programs. And we have a trademark for that name. So it's like anything that comes out of your head, it's likely that there may be a medium you can put it in and protect it and own it. And you need to do that, especially in the face of like the internet and everyone else. And you do it not just because people may copy you, but also because you don't want to be accused of copying anyone else. Yeah, that's so good. You said two things that I want to pull on because they were so good. You said most people live their lives being great and never learn how to monetize it. Oh, Ashley. Oh, then the second one, you just said it. We should all be well paid for the things that come out of our mind. Yeah. Girl, that is so good. Like, yeah. so good. Like, like, yes. Quite literally, thoughts make the world go round. So when you think about your iPhone, that product started with a thought. When you think about television or Facebook or anything that you utilize today, it quite literally started with the founder of that idea, that concept, that product, having a thought. And we sometimes think, well, you know, my thoughts can't be that big, but really your mindset will keep you from more money than mastery ever will. The requirement isn't that you master it. It's that you have the right mindset to believe in the things that come out of you and that come from you. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm writing. So I'm gonna need a second because I would need to catch this quote. Your mindset will keep you from more money. Oh my God. Okay, Ashley, hold on. I, I just need a minute. For more money than your, what was the, than my whatever will, than my mastery. Mindset will keep you from more money than mastery ever will. I'm telling you in advance, I'm gonna give you credit the first time. Look, I'm crying. It was that's how good it was. Somehow, <laughs> some way, this is gonna become a Darnellism, girl. No, mindset will keep you from more money than your mastery ever will. Ashley, girl, I would smack you if you was here right now. That's how good that was. Oh yeah, my like, gosh! And you know what it is? I deal with this because I I coach clients, you coach clients, and so we see it, right? But I don't know if the, the email is right. I don't know if this is right. I don't know if this is priced right. It's not about your mastery of the thing. It's about what you believe about what you produce. It's not, the, the mastery is not going to keep you from anything. We all know speakers that aren't as prolific as another speaker that's making a ton of money. We all know coaches that aren't as prolific as another right. coach that's making way more money. And it's just because they have an undying, unwavering belief 
in what they produce, regardless of if it's good or not. Now, if they have integrity over time, they will get better at what they do. But it's their mindset that helps them make the money. Girl. Oh my gosh. I had to get myself together. Like I'm still tearing up over here. That was so good. Oh my God. Yes. An unwavering belief. It's everything. That's why I say mindset is 95% of your success skill. Everything else is only 5%, but it is the way you see yourself and in the way you see yourself, that's going to determine how much money you actually be able to have. So, oh my gosh, that's so good. Yeah. Oh I felt like that was a mic drop moment. I'm not ready for the conversation to be over yet, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't know where we go from here. Like that was, <laughs> that was just so good. I feel like I should be like, thanks for coming out. God bless. Good night at this point. Wow. I love it. I love the thought of all of it. Like I've always been... Since the very beginning, I've been big into IP, you know, without any formal training, anybody telling yeah. me that I should do it. But I'm like, no, I got to protect my stuff. Like I've been recently, especially like I've been going through this. I'm going to call it a metamorphosis for lack of a better way to describe it, where I'm like coming into the realization that I am as amazing and great and brilliant as other people have seen me to be. I struggle with that. Like, I think you know, I'm not going to talk about anybody else. I'm going to make about me. There, there have definitely been times. I've always been this brilliant, but I have definitely played really small in areas of my life, right? Like, and making excuses for it. Well, you know what? Yeah. I'm, I'm an introvert and I don't really like attention. Mm -hmm. Like, all of it is excuses, right? And I've been slowly just like walking this thing. Like, no, I really am. My clients started calling me to go. I'm like, I really am the go. <laughs> like, yeah, like, I'm really like, am the go. Yeah, you're really exceptional. And it's really the fact that you have so much experience and the way you categorize the information that you know makes it really easy for people to understand it. There's so much noise in the marketplace mm -hmm. that I really value substance. I've recently started calling Speak Your Way to Cash a safe haven for substantive experts because oh, I like of that. all of the people online that are just rah, 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 I value your education. You know, I value my clients that have worked hard for it. But what I know is that even though we can have all this brilliance on the inside of us, if we're not making Bill Gates money, we'll downplay it. Because right. we still believe that just because people have more than us, they are more than us. And that's right. not the measure isn't how much money someone has. It's really, do you know what you say you know? Because money comes with time. Mm -hmm. If you keep doing something and you're great at it, money's going to come. It's just a matter of when. Right. So I think it will show up like greatness now because I know that the money will catch up to me. Like it don't, have, it, don't got, it doesn't have to be here now for me to walk in that brilliance and walk in that purpose. And what's a lot varies anyway. So even when we make the 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 million, there'll still be someone with more. I can't downplay myself because of my revenue. And so for the women listening or men listening who haven't made 1 million yet or who haven't done 100,000 yet, that does not matter. Billion dollar companies that make more money than my company pay us every single month to come in and help them with an issue. Yeah. Billion dollar companies. They never ask to see my balance sheet. Only on the online space is everybody and their mama who haven't made no money worried about my money. Well, like that's not a real thing in corporations. You hire the expert for their expertise, regardless of what their bank account looks like. Because most companies realize you can identify brilliance before the bank account matches the brilliance. Mm. You're already there. Girl, I need to write again. Hold on. You can identify <coughs> brilliance before it matches your bank account. Mm. Girl, that's so good. All of it is good. And I think that you're so right in terms of 
our value being placed in what we've accomplished inside of our businesses, right? Whether it's that we hit six figures or that we hit seven or that we hit eight, whatever the number is, the arbitrary number, like we're putting too much emphasis on it in terms of it being an indicator of our value, right? I love talking about money. It's my favorite topic in the whole world. Money and Jesus. Those are the two things I really love to talk about. But here's the thing, like, me wanting to talk about money is just for the sake of normalizing it, not as a validator. Yeah. Right. Like I don't even floss. I have a lot of money. I've made a lot of money. I have a lot of money in the bank. Like right now in investments, I have a lot of money. But you know what? It's not about the flex. It's about the legacy. It's about yeah. what I'll be able to leave when I'm going and not the red bottoms or the Louis Vuittons or the whatever things. And sure, I own some of that stuff. But it's not about the flex. It's about understanding that my brilliance is not tied to what's in my bank account. Yeah. But my brilliance can fill my bank account. Yeah, 100%. Like, it will fill your bank account. And it's interesting because we had a quote plastered around the walls of the Speak Your Way to Cash live event. We We had postcards of quotes, positivity, things that to motivate them. And one of the quotes was, money is a tool, not a measuring stick. Oh, that's good. Like, it's yeah. literally just a tool. Like some people have more tools than others, but at the end of the day, you're resolved to get things done. There's people every day that get more done with less. But for the women who haven't made the six or the seven or the eight yet, make sure that you're not allowing that to keep you from helping women who have. Right. Because the most underserved population are, to me, the successful businesses online. Those that already make multi six, seven figures. Though that half a million and above, they're not necessarily being served and people aren't reaching out to them. And we had a celebrity recently reach out to me a couple days from the date of the recording of this. And this guy, like I watched him on TV growing up every day. So when he reached out, I was like, oh my gosh, then I got a voice message. It was like, yo, we're trying to get paid to speak. We try to speak our way to Canada. What you got? What you gonna do? And I'm like, I never even considered serving the celebrity populace, helping them navigate this space, teaching their managers how to pitch for them training their agents on how to do better work for them. And so it really opened my mind. But all that to say, there are people who may appear to have more status or money or whatever than you that are literally looking at you, wishing you would serve them too. And you're overlooking them because you want to serve down. You only want to serve people you feel comfortable around because your self-esteem won't allow you to serve up. And it's a problem because you may not even be graced to serve the people you're serving. (laughs) Like That's all another topic. But don't limit yourself. I just was writing down again because you said your self-esteem may not be graced to serve up. That's a whole nother thing. But here's what I want to go back to. I love that a celebrity reached out to you because in this grain, you are absolutely brilliant. This is definitely the lane that you are supposed to be filling. But what I wanted to say more importantly for people, because there's so many people who won't get a call from a celebrity because they are being cute at the sacrifice of being clear. What I love about all the things speak your way to cash is that it tells you exactly what it is. Like it, yeah. like I was literally just having a conversation with a potential client who had, they are having an event and, you know, we're talking about me participating, consulting with them for their event. The name of their event, I'm sorry if you happen to be listening to this episode, but I did tell them, Ashley, it's so whack and it is going to require an explanation as to why that's the name of the event. I gave them a suggestion of a name that, I mean, it was speak your way to cash-esque. It's so simple, right? Very clear what's happening. And they wanted to push back because they want to use this egotistical name 
that means something to them, but won't mean anything to the people that it needs to resonate with for them to make money. So why did I say that as a sidebar to this conversation about licensing and licensing your way to millions? Make sure that you are clear so that your phone can ring, your DMs can be slid into with people who you might think would never be the person you would serve, but because of your clarity makes it very obvious to them the problem that you solve and the solution you can bring to the table for them. That's a way to make sure that you'll be licensable. That's how the corporations or anybody else will want your content because it is very clear what it is that you're talking about and how you're helping people. I'm sorry, I just had to sidebar and say that. I'm not sorry, but I just had to sidebar and say that. Well, that's a really good sidebar because one of the reasons why we use Speaker Ready Cash for our podcast, our book, our events, like with variations, like Speaker Ready Cash Live, that's the event. Speaker Ready right. Cash Podcast, that's the podcast, is because once you own that trademark, you want to saturate the market. Like you want to own that corner of the market. Right. So we have Speaker Ready Cash, Pitch Your Way to Cash, we have Pitch Your Way to Press. So all of the names that are similar to our names that relate to what we do, we've trademarked all those names because. Once you own that asset, you want the market saturated. And then most people aren't going to, you need to think about, is it repeatable? If it's not repeatable, it's not referable. So people are going to be like, I don't know, she got something, speak cash, speak your way to, okay, they'll get it. If they Google any of those combinations, they'll come to us and that's fine. So you want it to be repeatable, referable, and you want to leverage it. Right. I you agree. Want your audience tell another you like, girl, somebody trying to use your stuff. They got to speak your way to something. It ain't, right. it ain't there, so you need to go. And then you have your audience serving as almost like auditors to make sure other people don't steal your stuff. But that's what you want to happen for sure. So you need Absolutely. a name. I agree. And I mean, like we went all in because of God's mandate on move to millions and we got everything. We've rebranded the podcast, the Move to Millions podcast. We have Move to Millions Live happening in May. We have all the things that are, the book is coming out. Like all of the things are coming out so that we can saturate the market. And we also own all of the phases leading up to the move, right? So we own Plan for Millions, Prepare for Millions, Position for Millions, Leave Millions, Make Millions, all of the phrases. Like, because it's so important that you understand it, but it's the simplicity. Every event we've ever had, and we've gone through several iterations, God likes to usually let me get through five years before he's like, yeah, you got to change that. But every single one, I'm always clear. Make it so obvious what it is that you do, because that will help to increase your marketing reach within that thing, as well as, as Ashley said, being able to saturate the market and get everybody really to understand it. And I love that you said this. If it's not repeatable, it's not referable. Yes. That's so good. People are like, well, what do you do? You know, like, that's the worst. And people are like, I don't know what you do. I mean, how could I? Because we, I had a call, we have sponsors this year and you'll appreciate this because last year I worked with Darnell on my event and I was, we did sponsors light. And this year we closed, we just closed a $10,000 sponsor. And that sponsor is, we've already started sending them business. Yeah. Because I want my sponsors to make as much money as possible. Absolutely. So I'm sending him business and he's like, you know, well, how can we help you? And he's like, I'll refer you to three other sponsors. And I'm like, that's what I want you to help me with. Absolutely. Like, this yeah. is what we do. You've seen what I could do for you. How could I do this for others? Referrals work in a facet of ways. It's not just refer me a speech. It's not just refer me a client. You need to be asking people who you've done good business with mm-hmm. to refer you for whatever other business you need. But that clarity is needed. Absolutely. So good. So important. Oh, my gosh. I don't really want this to end, but I think that, you know, if we talk too long, like we both got other stuff that we need to do. We're running these companies, right? We're changing the world through our intellectual property. So it's so important. So 
I have my three closing questions that I want to ask you. But before I do, I just want to give you the opportunity. If there's anything else that you feel you haven't said that's on your heart to say that is going to be important for the Move to Millions podcast audience, I just want to give you the opportunity to share that. Yes. One thing I will say this to everyone listening. If you listen to this and had any ounce of imposter syndrome curl or creep up within you, I want you to know that God does not tease you. You are exposed to greatness because you're great. You're exposed to wealth because it's yours. You're exposed to brilliant relationships and happy marriages. Darielle and I are both married. I love my husband. He works with me full time in my business. You're exposed to people who have those things not to be teased, but because it can be yours if you so desire it. And follow that desire and do what you need to do in order to realize your desires in real form. So good. Oh my gosh. I know you guys have just been as blown away as I have. I don't even know how many pages in my Remarkable I have been writing on to capture all of these goodies. But I will make sure that we put a lot of this good stuff in the show notes. Okay, so before I let you go, Ashley, I always have my three closing questions. The first one is, what is the last book you read? Ooh, I read so many books at a time. (laughs) So that's a hard one. But the two that I'm reading right now that like popped into my mind immediately, I'm reading Traffic Secrets by Russell Brunson. It's so good. And I'm reading The Wealth Choice by uh, Dennis Dr. Dennis Kimbrough. Mm, Okay, awesome. I will put both of those in the show notes. And then what's your favorite quote? Ooh, my favorite quote is from my dad. And it is, if they give you a no, they're just not the right person to give you a yes. Ooh, okay. That's good, dad. And then the last thing is, what is one tool that you swear by that has been instrumental on your move to millions? HubSpot. (laughs) I would say HubSpot. That's my CRM. You have to have a good CRM. Okay, awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I just want to thank you so much again, Ashley. Like, I mean... You blow me away. I think I've told you this on numerous occasions. You literally blow me away. And I'm a brilliant person snob (laughs) because I think when you're brilliant, like you can sniff out that people aren't brilliant, (laughs) but you are brilliant. Like you are amazing and grateful. And I know I told you when we worked together, I was just so honored that you chose to work with me and we got to do some amazing work and get you some amazing results and all of that kind of stuff. But I just love the star that you ride on. And I'm just so grateful that we have this connection. I'm so grateful for all the work that you're doing and all the lives you're changing through your ability to help people speak your way to cash. I don't know if she's gonna keep her intellectual property law firm, y'all. I don't know, but I heard that earlier that we was getting rid of some of these streams. We're not gonna talk about it today. But just again, I just wanna celebrate you because I do absolutely adore who you are, the brilliance that you personify and that you are so true to yourself the entire time. I believe in giving people their flowers now and not waiting. And I also wanted to be on record so that people know that I think you're absolutely the bomb.com. Thank you. Thank you so, so, so very much. And, you know, it was really my pleasure to be on here. And hopefully you guys hang out with me. I guess we'll t- we'll talk about where they can find me. But you all are welcome to join me in the Speak Your Way to Cash Facebook group. It's a free group, free resources, good place to get started and connect and continue the conversation. I'm working this year to have more conversations with my community just to touch the hearts of people. Because as you know, this is a still kind of a trying time, even though there's been a lot of beauty that's come out in the last couple of years. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. We'll put all of your deets inside of the show notes so that anybody will be able to just click and go and find you online. Again, I just want to say thank you for being here and we'll see you all next time. Take care. I told you it was going to be good, right? Did you believe me? I know you believe me now. Listen, Ashley is the truth. That was amazing. I am 
on 250 right now, just reverberating off of all of the energy and knowledge that she poured out into all of us. Okay, I've got like 10 pages of notes. I'm just going to scroll through some of my highlights because we'd be here all day for, for me to tell you everything that I loved about this conversation with Ashley. But from the onset, right, we started at the very beginning and she talked about the reason she left her career making $300,000 a year. I mean, most people don't ever make that kind of money a year, but she was willing to give it all up because she was missing the link of purpose, respect, and control. And I loved when she said, I could do more. I was working for this company that was paying me a lot of money and I was working hard for them, but I could do more, right? I love the reminder that at the top of any industry, it's common to work hard, right? It's not that you're not going to work hard, but it's also about making sure that as you work, you're working smart. I loved when she said she negotiated $100,000 raise that she then used to springboard her into getting that $300,000 career. Okay, what else? This question, how can we best scale our efforts? That's a question you should be asking yourself right now, especially if you've yet to make the move to millions. You have to charge another nugget from Ashley. Charge like you don't have a day job. Oh gosh, so amazing and so good. I loved the walkthrough of the paid methodology that I want you to get a copy of her book so that you don't miss that. But press, assemble your offer, invitation and deliver. Those are the four steps. She goes deep into them inside of the book. We talked about IP audits and making sure you you have the right copyright so that you can create an enforcement and monetization plan. Oh my gosh, you guys. So it's so amazing. Yeah. And asking yourself the question, am I going to get my money on the front end or on the back end? That'll help you to determine the right strategy for you if you're leveraging the power of speaking. Your brilliance will land in your bank account. Oh, I love that. You can identify brilliance before it makes it to the bank, which is important too. And your mindset will keep you from more money than your mastery. You got to have that unwavering belief in yourself. Okay, as you can see, time with Ashley was time well spent. And I hope that you will want to listen back to this interview over and over and over. It was amazing. If you enjoyed our conversation and you want to correct directly with Ashley, you're going to want to go to the show notes. I'll give you links to her website, her Facebook group to get a copy of her book. All the things I will make sure that you have access to it because you're going to want to have her in your professional library, period, point blank. There is no reason why if you are speaking or you want to leverage the power of speaking to expand your payday, you don't know about Ashley Kirkwood. And in this episode, talking about the importance of intellectual property and licensing being the play that could help you to make the move to millions. Listen, it's about to go down in your life and I'm so excited for you. So make sure you check out the show notes and learn more about Ashley Kirkwood and get all things Speak Your Way to Cash. Guys, this has been an amazing conversation. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. I'll see you next time. Take care. Thank you for joining me for the Move to Millions podcast. The way I see it, you deserve a business that generates millions. If you're ready to get started, grab our Move to Millions quick start guide and join our online community at movetomillionsgroup.com. If you enjoyed our time together, do yourself a favor, head on over to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. Until next time, remember, millions are your birthright. And to access them, all you have to do is move. I'll see you next time. Take care.